0: Welcome to the Christy Taylor show. I'm your host, Christy Taylor. So happy to have you here inside the Taylor Tilton hour here for the first 30 minutes. Yes. It's the Christy Taylor show at the bottom of the hour. Yes. It'll be followed by Tina Tilton's the blend. Now I have been having an amazing time doing this show for the past year and meeting amazing people all over the country and north of the border. So we're going north of the border yet again. And I tell you this gentleman is amazing. We're talking about Orlando Prendergast. He is the founder and CEO of Zuka Sound. Now, he majored in business management with a minor in psych and was a member of the Vander Cup championship football team before dropping out after two years in college to become self-employed. Now, for over 30 years, he became involved in all spectrums of the music industry, including artist management and development, music production, songwriting, music video directing, as well as real estate with buying and selling, investing, reno, and developing. Now, after tackling an illness that lasted over five years that almost got the best of him, Orlando is back with a greater perspective and purpose. Now, drawing from his musical background and many famous artists, DJs, and celebrity contacts, Orlando is now venturing on designing, Developing and manufacturing his own brand of headphone products via Zuka Sound, while also creating a global charitable in, uh, initiative. So I want you to help me welcome none other than Mr. G. Orlando Pendergast. And I think I said that right. Is that Pindergast?
1: There is the second time.
0: <laughs> the second, second time.
1: time around.
0: <laughs> oh, he's a music man indeed, everybody. Indeed. Well, first of all, welcome to the Christy Taylor Show and thank you for bringing me some joy on this wonderful day. Now, let me tell you, um, checking out your storyline. There's a lot to dissect 30, over 30 years in the music industry, self-employed, and now you're on this journey. Uh, so can we wind it back to uh, your college years and your decision to drop out of school and get into business?
1: Wow, Um, that was hard because uh, I later realized that I was really in college to um, satisfy my mom, Um, and I did my best what I wanted to do, and after that, I I knew that I wasn't going to work for anyone else but myself, so I quickly found out that I was just throwing money down the drain, And, and basically, I left. Um, how I left, actually, how I gained the confidence to leave college. Uh, and I made about $65,000 before I left college. How I got that, fencing and decking in, uh, in the little town that I grew up in was just a huge, huge uh, fad. And uh, my mom had just bought a brand new home, and she needed fencing and decking and i visited uh, on the weekend i was away for school and i visited on the weekend and i saw this man building the the fence and in the in the city that i was at there was a huge development so the fact that i played football we had all the girls attention so. <laughs> <laughs> that was then people not now that was then but um I had all the girls called all these guys uh, home builders around the the area that I was going to school. And I made a deal with the guy, the contractor who was building my mom's fence. And I asked him, do you, do you travel outside the city? It was, we were, I was about half an hour away from my hometown. And he said, yes. So I said, if we can get you some appointment, I want you to go do the estimate, bring it back to me. I'm going to add my margin and then g- confront the developer. So that's exactly what we did. He he did the estimate, he brought it to me, and I added 30%. And by the time I left, and I was paying these girls 10 bucks an hour. Whoa! So, yeah, so by the time I left school, I actually had 65 grand in my bank. And it was then that gave me the confidence. Uh, my uncle, who was like my father figure, mm-hmm. I approached him. I loved cars growing up. Mm -hmm. So I approached him to co-sign for me uh, for a line of credit. And after about three months of trying to coerce him into doing that, he's very, very uh, conservative. But the bank manager, Mr. Barry Kitchen, I will never forget that (laughs) name, uh, spoke to my uncle and told him that I, I really had a great business plan of selling exotic cars in the area. Wow. And he helped me and I got a $250,000 revolving line of credit.
0: This is over 30 years ago?
1: Yeah, this was out of school. Oh
0: out my of school. goodness.
1: school, yeah, yeah. I had my first child, so I knew I had to do something. But I could not work for people. I I, I caught, I was woke before they even started the, that bad woke. <laughs> You know, I wasn't going to I wasn't going to be one of those uh, guys that going to add to the wealth of someone else. I was going to do that for myself. Mm-hmm. And thank God it did. Um, you know, the, the car industry went well. I had one of the best um, detailing shop in the whole county. Um, and, you know, I hired one of the best guy and I I, I actually gave him 50 percent of the uh, dealer the detailing shop, and he came on board and we ran that city. We ran the county for years.
0: Wow. Year. You know something? I, it's a couple of things, Orlando, that you're just really speaking to me because I'm fairly new into business, but understanding, number one, the segue out of college came with you already using your business degree information, you were even the psych portion yeah. on how to communicate to the whole, the established business owner who was already doing the fencing and and the decks to how to use him with the contractors in your college town to hiring college students, you know, the girls. and all girls. (laughs) Which of course is a mastermind in itself and and paying them well, $10 an hour. There are people right now who wish they could make $10 an hour and you were doing that from the onset and then being able to come out um, was sixty five thousand dollars? Yes, that would justify not continuing in college because you you pretty much had already got the information. You exactly. Already got exactly.
1: Um, and
0: I love uh, also. I have to say, your conservative uncle, and to have a bank representative convince him that speaks volumes volumes yeah so we're talking had you even made 23 at this age were you no
1: you- no no i wasn't even 23 at that time i i had just finished my second year of school and i said that you know it's not for me mm-hmm. um we had won the vanier cup champion and you know sports was my life mm-hmm. but i had a child at home so mm-hmm. i had to uh pivot real quick mm-hmm and raise my child. So, you know, I, I injured myself in, 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 in school actually. So that actually helped to expedite my exit from school because I knew that I wasn't going to go professional. I would never pass the, uh, the, the physical. And, um, yeah, I just left. I was being recruited by two CFL, uh, professional football team and I knew that I wasn't going to pass the medical. So all of that, the money, uh, in my account the 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 drive uh the desire to to be self-employed you know it was it was an easy decision.
0: Very easy and I also want to applaud you something that you're bringing in as a subtext to this story is your fatherhood was a strong motivation. so can you talk about um, you know as a black man a man of the, of the diaspora who, who oftentimes you're not celebrated for those kinds of choices. What, what foster that inside of you?
1: Wow. <clears throat> a lot of things. Now, I don't want to get emotional speaking about my kids, but a lot of things, uh, my upbringing, um, you know, my mom married a, a man um, that wasn't really that great to me. So it, it propelled me to be different. I, I, Early on, I I said to myself that everything that he did, I have to do the opposite and I'll be fine. And then I had my uncle who was in a stable marriage, had all his kids with one woman. My dad, my real dad, biological dad, had 13 kids with 10 different women. Yeah, and I didn't really know him that well. I actually later found that out years years later in my professional life but my uncle was the staple my uncle and my grandpa uh they were really the staple that you know like dug and cemented those values in me at an earlier stage and then my mom my late mom who i missed a lot she she was like my father my uncle my brother my sister my best friend, my mom had me when she was 17. So that was a bond that was like no other, you know, and she was my rock. So she taught me a lot. You know, when I found out that that girl was pregnant, (laughs) my mom said to me, she goes, well, you're old enough to be a father. You're going to be old enough to be responsible. And, and she took my weekends away. she, she had my ex-wife which my girlfriend at that which we got married later on. she had her dropped off my baby at three months old, you know she pumped her breasts, left the feed and everything and my mom said, the weekend belongs to your daughter Nicole and yeah there was there was no weekend but then I was kind of upset because I was young, you know I wasn't going out. My friends were going out, you know, and um, but the sacrifice and that that bring and the bond that me and my oldest daughter, Nicole, have now it's I wouldn't change a minute.
0: Wow. So with those type of. I would say nurturing advice and, and wisdom and then going to college and having that pressure or that support. I can see how you begin to look at, like, how much of college do I need? How much of this do I really want to do? Uh, What type of commitment am I making to myself and to my daughter? Wow, I love that. Now, tell me this. Um, After we get into the two businesses, because you have the college business and then you have the exotic cars, what what becomes your next step? Because you end up in music. When does that happen?
1: That happened... um... Probably about eight years after the afterwards, um, you know, and I won't mention any name, but after the the car business, Mm -hmm. I had made some money, um, you know, and mortgage brokering, the business of mortgage brokers was just coming in, Mm -hmm. and that
0: would take us in the 90s, correct? Early, uh, late 80s, early 90s, Mm -hmm. yeah, and um,
1: and that was just coming in, so it was a fad. And a lot of people associated mortgage brokers with used car salespeople. So so I was in the used car and I want, you know, I love challenges. I love to change the narratives. Um, And um, I made, I made relation. I had relationships. I garnered relationships and nurse relationships with some people in the real estate industry because I knew that's where I wanted to go, like indirectly. I didn't want to sell real estate. Mm-hmm. I took the course because I wanted to understand the uh the mechanics of, of the industry. Yeah. And um I I went into mortgage broker because it was so new and everybody was against it, but I knew I could change it and make it a little bit more glamorous and wow. and, and also beneficial. So I I, I learned and I garnered relationship with a lot of the top real estate agents in my area. And I asked them, I said, for convenience sake, what would change? What would you welcome? What change would you welcome so that you can focus on what you do best? And they said that if we can have someone that could deal with the the loans, the qualification, the the <clears throat> The customer qualifying for what mortgage and stuff like that, this is this would definitely help us. So wow. right then and there, my answers was given. I created uh Norlight Financial uh, with a friend of mine, and we actually were the first one to put a mortgage broker's agent in every Remax offices in the in the community that I was at. Wow. Yeah. And after um, Oh, it wasn't even two years. REMAX actually bought the company.
0: What? The yeah, one that was you established?
1: Yeah, they bought the company. Um, and that's that's where I really, I got a lot of money to do what I had to do in the music business.
0: Orlando, at, at this point, are you late 20s, early 30s?
1: I was in my, I was 25 when <laughs> I, I was, I was 25. Almost 25 before I made my first million.
0: Can I say, wow. (laughs) (laughs) And I like the word you said before I made my first million.
1: Yeah. My first, I lost it. I made my second, I tripled it. I lost it. Dude, not to me. I don't know if you remember this, this stock fraud, Briex. It was a gold fraud. It was like the biggest fraud in the, in the history of the Dow. And I lost, I lost my second earnings there. Um, it was in the same year. Remember that John Benet Ramsey little girl yes. from Co- mm-hmm. it was, That's I was in the pool with my kids, and my my ex and my wife was at at that time in Jamaica in Ocho Rios when my mm-hmm. broker called and said, "This stock is a fraud. You can't even sell." And and yeah, 4.8 million US just- Gone. Gone, gone. How did I, you,
0: how do, okay, because you know, let, let's talk. I mean, I've, I've yet to make my first million, but even having this conversation, I know I'm in the right vibration. <laughs> I'm talking to someone who's done it multiple times, but how did you mentally hold it together? Because there are a lot of people who- under the weight of losses, massive losses, can't keep it together. What was your foundation? Oh,
1: wow. I'm not going to say that I had the the formula um, because I was learning as much as I was growing. But I believed in myself. I I really believed in myself. And I knew that I had a work ethics that was second to no one. Um, And if I put my mind to it, I, I am gonna achieve it. Come hell or high water, I'm gonna achieve it, and that's that's been the um, that's been the blueprint of my life. Mm-hmm. To be honest with you, I know that nobody can drive me as much as I drive myself, and and as long as I had that quality, I mm-hmm. can't fail. I can't fail in anything that I do. I can't fail. And I, I had that within me like a burning fire. And that kept me going. Yeah, I lost my marriage over it. So it wasn't, I didn't have the full solution. Yeah, You know, I lost a lot, Um, you know, but I had to go. I, I had to drive. And then I had kids and my girls, I wanted to make sure that they had a better upbringing than I did. You know, um, you know, I drew from little life's experience, like that drive came. I remember, you know, vividly how when I was in high school, all the white kids were coming to school on after the weekend on Monday and saying, oh, we went to the keg. Oh, we went to Red Lobster. Oh, we went here. We went there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we we didn't have the money to go all over the place like that. But the, 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 the way it made me feel, like I carried that silently inside of me and that, just that little thing propelled me to say, there's no way my kids are ever, ever going to be faced with that type of, um, you know, mm-hmm. at that time to me, I was young. I didn't understand why my mom couldn't take me, you know, but nonetheless, I didn't want my kids to go through that. Right. So even as they grow, (laughs) I made sure that my kids were going to the best restaurants, man.
0: And I like the fact, Orlando, that you said, number one, we know Nicole, who is your oldest, and you said your girls. So uh, how many girls and what are their names?
1: I have three biological, and I'd like to say four because my goddaughter Renee. But my my oldest is Nicole, Mm -hmm. uh, Tatiana. And Taylor, and then my goddaughter is Renee. So I, I really have four because Renee is is my uncle who was my father figure. That's mm-hmm. his. That's his daughter. Okay. And he, I was blessed. He made me the godfather. Wow. And I, I made a pact that I remember. I'm an observer, and I I like to listen. And I remember as a young kid. So many people had grand goddaughters, all you know, like people were having 10 goddaughters. And I'm saying, No, I only want one godchild because I want to treat that child like my child. And we were able to do that. She grew as my child, with and and her dad was more than capable. Um, but I've always treated her. Like my child and my my girls treat her up to today they treat her like uh, their sisters. So mm-hmm. I have three biological, but four four girls.
0: I I love the fact you know a lot of this um, a family that I really admire, particularly um, I'm talking about the Smiths, Will Smith, and you know his own journey, like yourself, you know about that burning desire to be. You know, better than what your father was or his father was, or the man that you know fathered you. And then also, something else that I'm finding this very striking is the commitment to fatherhood and the impact girls have on fathers.
1: Wow, yeah. Oh, that's that's no joke. They soften me up. (laughs) I tell people they soften me up. My my girls can get anything they want, and they know how to get it just. (laughs) You know, especially now they're they're mm-hmm. adults, but only when they choose to, mm-hmm. they they can revert very easily back to daddy's girls when, when
0: they when they choose to, when they yeah. choose to. Yeah, now, I know that life is full of all kinds of peaks and valleys, and you spoke about even when you lost money through that fraud uh, investment, and I guess in that period of time, you also um, your marriage the first marriage, uh, dissolved. Only one. You, only one. So okay. the commitment to, um oh, so only one marriage. Yeah. So your commitment to fatherhood preceded marriage uh, or top. Ta- definitely. Okay. Oh okay. yeah.
1: I, it changed my whole life after my mm-hmm. divorce. I, my baby was not even a full year when I left the home and I was traveling a lot. And that whole thing came to a halt real quick because There's no way I was going to allow her not to know her dad. So, you know, we, we, I had my, my daughters every second weekend, but every Thursday, even on their mother's weekend, Mm -hmm. I made sure I live about an hour and a half away. And every Thursday I would travel and I would pick them up and I would either bring them back here Take him out for dinner, chill with them, um, or stay stay in my hometown. Go see my mom. They grew very, very uh, close with their grandma um, because I would involve my mom in everything. And yeah, and now Taylor is you know twenty six and she's like daddy's girl, man. My my girls are daddy's girls, you know. And I have bond with it, it's 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 not even. I can't even explain it. The the different bonds that I share with each one of them, including my goddaughter Renee, you know, we have such an emotional bond and my girls are the, they are examples of the people that I wanted around me. Not, not even family or friends. They're not yes people. And all my life I've had yes people. Mm -hmm. And my girls will tell me that you're, Messing up. You're, (laughs) no, dad, stop. And I listen because I know that they don't want anything from me. It's unconditional. They already have me. I'm their dad. You know, they just want to see the best of me. And yeah, I, I go to them for everything. And that's the bond that we have. They are the extension of the relationship that I had with my mom.
0: That is powerful. That is powerful, Orlando, to be able to hear a man speak of that type of father-daughter bond and to have duplicated that four times and to have healthy relationships. So it would be amazing to have conversations with your girls, I tell you.
1: Oh, you, um, you would be impressed.
0: <laughs> oh, wow. Now, I know that also part of your story is that there was a health issue that you know, that that you speak to for five years. um, How much of that are you willing to share?
1: Um, I I really don't share a lot because um, even now, I I don't pay it a lot of attention. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't understand it. Um, I contracted Crohn's disease Mm -hmm. um, in 2001. Mm -hmm. Uh, My grandma was very, very dear to me. And she, <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: she passed in two days after nine eleven. Mm-hmm. And um, I later found out, probably eighteen years after she passed, no, actually. <sighs> nine years after she passed, I found out that that um, traumatic experience of her death um, brought on the stress that actually uh, had me diagnosed with Crohn's disease. Crohn's disease is an autoimmune disease, um, you know, and you know, I went to my doctor. I didn't even know what it was. And I went to my doctor and my doctor said in all the 40 years that I've been practicing, I've never seen a Black person with Crohn's. Um, uh, Crohn's, it, now it's out there and I'm understanding, but Crohn's is normally um, uh, dominant in the Jewish uh, community. But uh, now with all the fake foods and, and the environment, the external Environment and stuff like that. Uh, it is one of the fastest growing disease in Canada and if not the world.
0: Understood. It's, Understood. It's
1: devastating. And and I I, I got it at late in my in my life. Mm-hmm. Most like when I was in the hospital, it was all kids. Wow. All kids, yeah. man. And we were just stopped. Me and a friend were just talking about that the other day. Mm-hmm. And it was, it, yeah, it, it was very sad. But <clears throat> my second flare up came when the real estate market dropped, the global real estate crisis.
0: Well, 2007, 2008.
1: Yeah. And um, mm-hmm. through my years um, in, the, in the industry, I, I've, I've gained the trust of a lot of people. So we had, I had 12 people that invested about 20 something million dollars in me.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah. And um, yeah, we went bullish. It was a bullish market in real estate before mm-hmm. that. Um, you know, 20 something million is not a lot when you're doing big deals. Yeah. So in, in a lot of the 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 project that we invested in, I, we were the minority, um, which I never really, <laughs> I was never ever comfortable being the minority uh, owners in anything, but um, we did and yeah, we, uh, we suffered tremendous loss, tremendous loss and um, I also lost oh, almost a million dollars in, in, in two of my artists that I was trying to bring back.
0: So somewhere in your because I because I, I did ask earlier about how did you get into the music scene? So from my understanding, once you got into real estate, it gave you real estate being your primary having the capital to invest in the entertainment industry. Is that correct? The the the
1: the money that we sold the brokerage for, that was the yeah, that that got me into real estate uh, that gave me the capital for both real estate and, you know. Music was just a hobby. And and then I uh I discovered a, a young kid here who went on to win four great uh four Juno's, which is uh, the, the American cool, like the Grammys, yeah. And five much music video awards. His name is claire very, very wow. legendary, legendary. He was before the the uh Drake, you know, um the Justin, all them cats before mm-hmm. him and which we call the godfather of, of, of hip hop is Maestro Fresh West. Yeah. Maestro, his Maestro and his manager Farley Flex were really the, the ones that really got me interested in the business of music. I always loved music, Okay. but they seeing what they were doing. um, And I was already a businessman. I had the money. I didn't need nobody else's money. So I, I, just ventured into it and, and, you know, it's, uh, the rest is history.
0: Well, the history that you're saying just so, you know, matter of factly is that you ended up investing because, um, some of the people that you're talking about, i have like, I've heard of them. So you were able to connect with people who were already legends in the space.
1: Definitely. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Definitely.
0: And then being able to have that type of, um acumen in the industry, and then your investment really took it to the next level. Now, in in your bio, you talk about even doing um, video production and all like that. So it sounds like beyond the money, you actually put your hands in it too.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I like to, um, you know, I like to really have or create something like a one-stop shop. Um, And again, it's about business and and keeping the, the money you know, circulating within the company. So, uh, we were, I had the record label, uh, we needed video, video visuals were coming in. It was a big thing now. So, um, I teamed up with one of the best director at that time. And because I had the money, I funded everything. So we had our own, uh, video production company and early in early stage, we've done a lot for, um, um, Oh. Billy Woodruff so bill you know well, Billy, yes. yeah Billy yes. Billy was big
0: mm-hmm. but
1: his is 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 less than a hundred thousand dollar budget Yeah, it would come to us and my partner at that time was a guy by name of David Cropper mm-hmm. and David and and Billy were really good friends so we did videos for like uh Don L Jones when he just started oh, like out him. yeah we we tons of videos for for those guys. My company is called Vice Films. So, Vice
0: Films. Okay. Yeah. Vice yeah. Films. But you know what I
1: do, Christy? And and even now in the um in the cryptocurrency and you know uh NFT field right now, which I know nothing about. I'm not interested. I'm too old. I don't have enough space for any more information. <laughs> but I find people who are good at in those fields and I invest in them. Mm-hmm. You know, and right now I'm investing in a in a, a young 23 year old guy. He he's a genius in that, and he's proven himself over and over again. And right now we're on our way to developing our own uh, non fungible token, which is which is what's pushing the industry now, the world, right? Cryptocurrency and and stuff like that. So all along my journey, I've always found people that are good in those fields, those areas. Yeah. And I I invest in them. And that's, that's my, that's really my secret.
0: Wow. That's a good secret. And you just shared it with us here on the Christian Taylor show. (laughs) So um, I, I, I I take it then that with everything that you've been doing since uh, the fencing and the decking (laughs) has been about positioning yourself in partnerships. So, When did you, since you've been in the music industry and also real estate and now in the crypto community, decided to make Zuko Zuka sound Zuka sound? So how did that come to be?
1: That was actually a dare, and I told you, dare? Yeah, I like dares. Uh, Yeah, when I'm challenged, I take it personally. But um, uh, a friend of mine introduced me to a very well-known audio engineer, Marty Garcia. Marty was the audio engineer behind uh, American Idol in the U.S. for the first 10 years. He, uh, I think he's still the audio engineer behind the Jimmy Fallon and Steve Colbert show. Um, And we were introduced and Marty developed a technology for the in-ear monitor where a lot of his clients like mm-hmm. U2, Travis Scott, uh Drake, the weekend, they're, they're those people are all his clients. They all wear his in-ear monitor. Uh System. So that's
0: when, like, when you're for those who don't understand what we're talking about, it's like when you're performing on stage. Typically, you have the sound system and the monitors on the floors on the side. And now, of course, new technology gives the the artist an opportunity to have an in ear monitor, so they get the perfect, no reverb, no back. Yes, okay. Playback,
1: playback, no yeah.
0: playback, yeah.
1: Well, Marty was a, a godfather in that. Wow. So the in, the individual that introduced me to Marty. He had invested in Marty and he came to me strictly for my business documents. So he said Marty was an investor but he or an inventor, but he wasn't a businessman. So they wanted me to try and commercialize that technology. What I later found out was that Beats by Dre actually approached Marty uh, a few years back for his technology. And that deal never uh, right. happened. So, yeah. So when I found that out, I was very intrigued. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, so, you know, to make a long story short, I messed around with them. They didn't have my urgency. They didn't have my work ethics. And I wasn't just going to give somebody my money to play around with. Mm-hmm. So I listened. I studied. And, and um, you know, I got... I got some knowledge from some of the best people, even people that were um, directly and indirectly associated with the development of beats. Um, you know, I met a lot of people in that. I was somewhat indirectly um, um, a, 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 a spectator of that full development of beats by Dre. So I put all that knowledge together and I did my research and um you know, here we are, here we are.
0: And here we are indeed with your own line of, and I believe you said they're actually more than headphones. They are actually.
1: Head stereos. We, yeah, we're coming into a very saturated market. And, you know, being from the music industry, I know that um, uniqueness uh, is a huge, huge value. To, uh, to any any uh, recording artist you don't want to hear the same Drake. you don't want to hear the same weekend you know you got to come in with your own thing. So um, in my st- in my research and learning the the electronic business um, I found that the the components the into inter- integration of the components mm-hmm. you almost have an option. So everybody now have a, a mobile smartphone and they want to have the, the in here product that they, they can also answer their phone, have quality uh, chats, voice recognition, all of that. But in order for you to have quality on the voice, you also have to dilute the quality in the sound. That's funny. Mm-hmm. So with this now and, and, and taking, from a lot of the brands out there. They weren't doing that. They were trying to go down the middle, but one part is going to suffer no matter what. It's just the way the components are built and the way you can integrate these components, right? So we decided to go more on the sound. Being from the music, I was more appreciating the sound. The voice quality and all of that, it's still there. I still have the component and it's great, but when you come to an in-ear stereo, and that's why I call it in-ear stereo and head stereos instead of headphones, because I didn't want it to associate with the phone. When you hear the phone, you hear about talking. Mm -hmm. When you hear a stereo, you hear about music, sound. Mm -hmm. So I wanted more of an association to the sound, which which is really what we're all about. And yeah, that's, that's really it. So,
0: yeah. Well, I'm super excited to have been introduced to this amazing life journey and to know that even now, 2021, 2022, we are going to be hearing more about Zuka Sound coming out of Canada. I'm going to put this across the bottom. I want you all to make sure that you follow my special guest, G. Orlando Prendergast. Correct. His website is ZukaSound.com and you can follow them on all social media platforms at Zuka, Z-U-K-A, Sound. And I'm so grateful to have had this opportunity to to meet you and to learn about this amazing journey. And how can we in, let's say, Memphis, Tennessee, have a greater partnership with this amazing new venture that you're part of?
1: Well, you know... um... The most of the platform that are interviewing me, uh, we actually end up doing some some major deals because of the campaign that we're putting on right now. Um, the products, due to the global chipset shortage, um, we're doing pre-launch right now. So we've attached a campaign. It's called a Soul to Soul campaign. So the the product that you have is called the Zuka Soul. And we we were using the Zuka Soul to create the Soul to Soul campaign to benefit the essential workers, Uh, and also I must say the students too, because I feel that that segment of our society, uh, these caregivers, really really suffered uh, largely with uh, with the the current uh, pandemic, and so uh, you know I wanted to engage my customers. To also help us give, you know, just like a gesture of giving back and say, thank you for, you know, all you've done risking your life and, you know, to protect ours. And, you know, I, it really sat heavy on my heart to do that, mm-hmm. although, and it's, it's very risky when you're launching a new brand, you want to get as much profit as possible because you need that operating capital going forward, right? So we're risking that right now, where we, we've we've discounted our profit very very heavily just so we can give to, uh, you know, give to uh, the uh, the essential workers. So the gist of it is, you go on the website, you you purchase a, a Zuka Soul. It is the regular price is one seventy nine U S. You go on it, you get a discount right away, bring it down to one forty nine U S and you can just buy that and and leave. If you choose to donate and 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 participate in the program, you get another $20 off and then you also get that second soul for I think it's $70 US where you can now gift it to an essential worker in your community, a student because you know they suffer. I've ta- I've spoken to so many kids that miss their graduation. And we as adults, we've left that so many years ago, but it is so impactful with these kids. You know, they'll never, ever get to uh, relive that. So it, the Soul to Soul campaign is very, very dear to my heart. And, you know, I don't care if we, if I lose profit or don't make any profit, you know what I mean? As long as that that is a success. And and that's my whole team behind Zuka. So it wasn't just me. You know, I, I've got the support from my uh, COO and all my people. So,
0: wow, Zuka Sound has brought to us Zuka Soul and the Soul to Soul campaign. You can learn more about it on his website, ZukaSound Be sure to follow them on all their social media platforms as well. Well, thank you so very much. This has been truly amazing. Um, Thank you so much for such a generous uh, conversation slash interview.
1: (laughs) Thank (laughs) Thank you, Christy. Thank you for your interest. And let's let's talk about that deal after Behind the Scene.
0: Yes, sir. I'm definitely going to do just that. So with that being said, thank you all so much for watching the Christy Taylor Show. Be sure to also check out Tina Tilton's The Blend. Every Tuesday, you can also check us out. The Taylor Tilton Show, Tuesdays at 9 a.m., a prelude to the Taylor Tilton Hour on Tuesdays at 10 a.m. on Comcast. Thank you all so much for watching. Be blessed.
1: Thank you.